I've entitled this little message, In Days Like These. In days like these, what kind of people should we be? Because as we look around the world today, we can see that there's a kind of a shaking going on. We've just, you know, coming to the end of the coronavirus, let's trust and believe that there isn't any worse variant on its way, but let's believe that we're on the way out of that. But then just as it seemed we were coming out of COVID and we could all relax, you know, and breathe easy, suddenly we've now been hit with this terrible situation in Ukraine with the Russian invasion of that nation. You know, millions of refugees having to leave the country. President Putin, you know, getting his nuclear weapons warmed up and tuned up. And all these kind of things. You know, we've, we've had uh, a situation over recent years where the world almost seems to be moving from crisis to crisis to crisis. You know, if you follow the news... And it's good to keep up to date with the news, but I would encourage you, don't feed on it. Don't be sitting watching it, you know, morning, lunchtime, evening, and before you go to bed. Because if you just listen to the news and just feed on that, that will depress you and discourage you. But it does seem that the world moves from crisis to crisis. You know, we have the, the climate crisis. We have that terrible situation down in Yemen. And I'm sure even though the media are no longer focused on that. That situation is ongoing with little children, you know, starving to death in a terrible way. And so many of these things, you know, that we have heard about in the past, those situations are still, many of them, continuing. But it's just the media tends to focus largely on one thing at a time, and currently they're focused on the situation in Ukraine. Who knows what's next? We might get the Ukraine crisis fixed. We might get a resolution there. We might get peace there. But who knows? What's the next crisis that's going to pop up? We don't know what will happen. In times like these, what kind of people should we be? In Luke chapter 21 and verse 28, Jesus gave us these words of encouragement. And he said, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. Hallelujah. You know, what Jesus is saying here is, when you see these things happen, when you see the world being shaken, you know, don't look down, don't get discouraged, don't despair. There's a better day coming. Your redemption is drawing near. There's a better day coming when the heavens will open and Jesus Christ himself will return with power and great glory with the angels with him and establish his kingdom here on earth. Can anybody say amen this morning? Are you with me this morning, church? Amen. That's what I believe. That's what Jesus said. So let me just give you some points here, which I hope will encourage you <clears throat> and uplift you this morning. In days like these, what kind of people should we be? Point number one, if you're making notes, people who know their eternity is secure. Isn't it good to know 
that no matter what happens, if you're a believer here this morning, that your eternity is secure. You have a sure and certain promise. Whether you live or whether you die, you have a promise of a wonderful eternal life in the presence of the Lord forever. Romans chapter 14 and verse 8. Listen to this. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged with those words this morning. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. John 10 verse 28, Jesus said, And I give them, that's whoever believes, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Brothers and sisters, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, if you have asked the Lord Jesus to come into your heart and to save you, then your eternity is secure. You know, Mr. Putin could potentially launch a missile on the UK and the UK could go up in a puff of smoke. But you don't need to worry because your eternity is secure. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure about your eternity, you're not sure what will happen to you after death, you can be sure this morning all you need to do is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to forgive you your sins, to make you a new person, and to help you to serve Him from this day forward. That's all you need to do. He paid the price for your sins 2,000 years ago on a cross on a hill outside Jerusalem. You need to believe it, you need to accept it, and you need to confess Him as your Lord and Savior. Mr. Putin could fire a rocket. A tsunami could come up Belfast Lock and cover the city, and many people could lose their lives. I'm not expecting that to happen or believing for that. But we have an eternal security. All these things are possible, but we are secure. Personally, I don't believe that the earth will end with a nuclear war and we'll all blow each other to bits. I believe that this age in which we live will indeed come to an end. You know, when the Bible talks about the end of the earth, it's not talking about an end of planet earth, but it's talking about the end of the age in which we live. We currently live in the age where we are preaching the gospel, where God is patiently waiting for men and women all around the world to get right with God by believing in Jesus Christ. That's why we preach the gospel at home. That's why we go down to Africa and other places and preach the gospel so that people can hear how to be saved and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I believe that this age will not end with a nuclear war, but it will end with the personal return 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 13 and verse 26. Then they will see the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming in the clouds with power and great glory. The first thing we need to know in days like these is that our eternity is secure. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That gives me peace in the midst of a turbulent world, a turbulent Europe, an uncertain situation where we don't know what's going to happen next. But one thing we do know is that Jesus is coming back and we will forever be with the Lord. Point number two, what kind of people should we be? Secondly, we should be people of faith and not of fear. You know, we are living in days when people are rightly anxious, rightly concerned, and many of them are afraid. We're living in days that Jesus spoke about in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 21, I'm sorry, chapter 21 and verse 26, where he said that men's hearts, failing them for fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. I don't know exactly what that means, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. But Jesus speaks of men's hearts, failing them for fear. And when we look around and when we watch our TVs, we can see that there's a lot of fear out there. The thing I hate when I listen to, you know, these news bulletins and things like that, and when they're doing interviews with their special correspondents, the big phrase that they always hit them with is this one. How worried should we be? How worried should we be? And they try to outline the worst case scenario. But brothers and sisters, if you are a believer here this morning, you should not be worried. Because the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Yes, we should be concerned. Yes, we should be people who pray. Yes, we should be concerned about what's going on. But we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be fearful. Don't allow fear in your heart. Fill your heart with the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Out in our prayer meeting this morning, Brother Billy Wilson was praying that there would be a return to the Bible, that as believers we would get more into our Bibles, and that people out there, the unsaved, that they would also start to get into the Bible. And I believe that as we read the Bible, faith comes to our hearts, because faith comes from the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Did you hear that? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear does not come from God because fear is the diametric opposite of faith. You can't have fear and faith in your heart at the same time. If you allow fear to come in, your faith will go out. But if you will fill your heart with faith, fill your heart with the Word of God, listen to the Word of God preached, feed upon it, then faith will come into your heart. And that will encourage you and that will uplift you. We need to be people of faith. We need to be people who are bold, who are confident in our Lord when we have every reason to fear. David demonstrated this quality. One of my favorite stories from the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. And it tells us in 1 Samuel 17 verse 45. You know, Goliath comes out and he starts roaring and shouting at David and he says, come here and I'll feed your body to the birds. You know, he's insulted that the children of Israel have just sent out a little shepherd boy to come and fight against this mighty warrior, Goliath. And in 1 Samuel 17, 45, David says this, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. We need to be bold. May God give us all, young and old, men and women, may God fill us with that Holy Ghost boldness that refuses to be fearful, that refuses to be intimidated by the devil. You know, the devil roars and shouts at us, you know, through the TV, through the media, things are getting bad, things are getting worse, prices are going up, there's going to be a war, there's, there could be a nuclear war. He tries to roar and shout at us just as Goliath shouted at David. But we need to be bold like David. And we need to say, the Lord is with us. The Lord is on our side. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Point number three of this little message. What kind of people should we be? Number three, we should be people who look to God as their source and their provider. Now, this is very important in the days in which we're currently living in because we can see that there's a lot of financial turbulence and shaking going on. We live in days, you know, when prices are going up, when stock markets are going up and down and sometimes crashing in some places. But one of the great names of God is Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh simply means the Lord who provides. Amen. The Lord who provides. Genesis 22 verse 14. You know the story very well. Abraham had been instructed by God to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, but Abraham had declared and believed that God would provide a sacrifice. And then he finds a ram caught in a bush. And in Genesis 22, verse 14, it tells us, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. 
can I encourage you in these days in which we're living, don't put your faith in your job. It's good to have a job. Thank God for a job. Thank God most of us have a job, I believe. Don't put your faith in your savings. It's good to have some money set aside. It's good to have some savings. It's good to have a pension. But don't put your faith in those things because those things may potentially fail you. Don't put your faith in any man or organization or institution or bank or fund or policy. God is not limited to these things. If all those things fail you, if you lose your job and your pension pot is wiped out and all your savings are used up, do you know that God is still able to meet your need? He is still Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. If you put your faith in God and not in man and earthly institutions, you will not be disappointed. The key to receiving from God, I believe, is to honor the Lord with our tithes and with our offerings, to be a giver. I read somewhere something that stuck with me. It's not actually in the Bible, but it's a biblical principle, and, and it's this. If God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. If God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. God is looking for channels. God is looking for givers. The Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. We're not supposed to give out of compulsion or to, you know, obey some rule or regulation. God wants us to be cheerful givers. And Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Can I encourage you? Don't stop giving in a crisis. The first reaction of many people when things get tight financially is to cut down their giving and to stop giving. Can I encourage you, both from my own life and from the Word of God, don't react like that. First Kings chapter 17, verses 13 to 15. It's up there on the screen. Elijah had been sent to this widow and her son. And Elijah had been told, God said, I have instructed this widow to feed you. And yet there was a famine in the land. And Elijah comes to this little widow woman and her son. And Elijah arrives on the scene. And the woman says, I'm about to bake a little cake for me and my son. And then we're going to eat it. And then we're going to die. Now, hopefully nobody here this morning is in that kind of situation. But that woman was certainly in a financial and a material crisis. And how does Elijah react? Does he say, well, just go ahead. Don't worry about me. I'll be okay. No, Elijah says this. Do not fear. See, there's that fear word again. Don't fear. You see it time and time again in the Bible. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. 
and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away, and she did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. Here she was about to eat her last little bit of food. And this prophet, this man of God comes on the scene and he says, bake a little cake first for me. Imagine if that happened in our day, in our generation, and some preacher, some evangelist did that. Can you imagine the newspaper headline? Here, here's one that I've mocked up. Israel Daily Mail. Greedy preacher tells starving widow, give me your last bit of food and God will bless you. But isn't that exactly what he did? You see, Elijah understood the principle and the importance of giving. And Jesus said the same, give and it will be given unto you. I've seen this work many times in my own life. Let me share with you a story. 2020, COVID-19 hit us. And I'm leading a charity. And humanly speaking, the money that we need to support our charity, to support our mission work, it comes from ordinary people. Some in this church, some in other churches, some in other countries. We are dependent upon the giving of people. But COVID hit and many people stopped giving. And our income was going down and down and down, you know, like snow off a ditch, as they say. And I was getting extremely concerned. I don't want to say fearful, but I was getting concerned. Obviously, it didn't look good. But I kept on giving. Out of everything that we received, I continued to give and to sow into other ministries. I kept giving my tithes and my offerings here to my local church as God was providing for me. And things were getting worse and worse and worse. Now, I wasn't in a situation like this widow woman by any stretch of the imagination, but things were getting bad, and I was thinking, I'm going to have to go out and get a job and do something else. For the first time in about 30 years, I'm going to have to do something other than ministry. But I continued to believe that God would somehow meet the need. And I continued giving. And then one day I got a letter totally out of the blue. And this man said in his letter, he said, I've sold a house that I own up on the north coast. And he said, I want to give you a percentage of the profit. And inside was a check for 20,000 pounds. In the midst of a crisis, just when I thought we'd about hit the bottom and, you know, I was going to have to close the office door and go and do something else, God came through to the glory of God. That's why I'm telling that story. That's the only reason I'm telling it, to encourage you. God is Jehovah Jireh. Number four, we need to be people who will finish the Great Commission and usher in the return of Jesus. 
You know, the last words of Jesus at the end of Matthew, at the end of Mark, at the end of Luke, and in Acts chapter 1, he said the same thing, broadly speaking, in four different ways. Mark 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is what we call the Great Commission. Now, the way some people react to it, you'd think it was the Great Suggestion. But it wasn't the Great Suggestion. It was the Great Commission. And whether we serve the Lord at home, whether we give and pray to those who go and preach the gospel, we all need to be involved in one way or another in spreading the gospel. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. That's our ultimate instruction from the Lord Himself before He went up into the heaven. Wherever God has placed us, whether it's in the workplace, in the ministry, in the church, wherever God has placed us, the ultimate objective, the ultimate purpose of the church in this day and in this generation in which we live is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our own Jerusalem, in where we live, in our own Judea, areas further away. And Jesus even said, to the ends of the earth. You know, a lot of people talk about the return of Jesus. When will Jesus come back? Well, nobody knows the day or the hour. But Jesus said this in Matthew 24 and verse 14. He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. When is Jesus coming? I believe He'll come when the church worldwide finishes the job Jesus gave us to do and preaches the gospel to the very ends of the earth. And fifthly and lastly, and this is my last short point, what kind of people should we be in days like this? Number five, we should be people who realize that the time is short and we need revival. Not just here, but throughout the world. Now, thank God that there is a tremendous spiritual revival going on in many parts of the world. There is tremendous spiritual revival and harvest in Africa in these days in which we live. There has been a tremendous revival, believe it or not, in Russia and much of Eastern Europe since 1990 when the Soviet Union collapsed. I had the privilege of going many times in the 1990s to Russia preaching in big theaters. And the hunger for the gospel was so great that people were sitting, you know, down the aisles along the front, around the back, and the theater managers were having to lock the door because so many people wanted to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There has been great revival in Ukraine in recent years. Thank God for it. There has been great revival in South America, in Central America, there has been great revival in China in the last 40, 50 years. Great revival in South Korea. South Korea, I think something like nearly 50% of the population are born again. But we need to see this revival here. We need to see it in Western Europe, 
It seems like Western Europe is one of the few places that has not in recent years experienced a tremendous spiritual revival. Joel chapter 3, verse 14, I believe that we're living in days like this, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I wonder, is there somebody here today, and you're in the valley of decision? You know that you're not right with God. You know that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, but somehow you haven't quite taken that step. And you know that you need to be saved. You know that you need to get right with God. And you're just like these people that Joel describes. You're in the valley of decision. But you know you can't stay in the valley of decision. You have to make a choice. Either you will say yes to Jesus Christ this morning, or you'll say no. Maybe you're here in this congregation. Maybe you're watching over the internet. I don't know where you are. But if you're in the valley of decision this morning, you need to open your heart for Jesus Christ. And you need to ask Him to come into your life and to save you from your sins. We need revival here. We need revival in this city. We need revival in this nation. We need revival in Western Europe. But revival will only come when God's people humble themselves and pray. Some people think, well, it'll just happen. God will do what God will do. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. We need to pray. We need to be praying at home. We have a prayer meeting here on Wednesday nights. We have a prayer meeting here at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. You can pray at home, but why not come and join one of these prayer meetings and pray that God will move and that God will save our nation and that God will fill this church, this beautiful facility that God has given us. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. It's time to seek the Lord. Can you say amen? It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to turn off the television. It's time to get to the prayer meetings. It's time to get before God if in our secret place, in our place of prayer. It's time to seek the Lord. What time is it? It's time to seek the Lord. Brothers and sisters, in times of crisis, we should be people who know our eternity is secure. We should be people of faith and not of fear. We should be people who look to God as our provider. We should be people who will finish the Great Commission. And we should be people who realize that the time is short and we need revival. Can we pray? And then I'll hand back to Peter and the musicians as we come to a close here this morning. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes.